Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome into a Thursday. This day has some significant meaning. Kind of that one-shining moment, that one moment in time in terms of the NCAA tournament. I'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. More Colts conversation, I'm sure. You kept the Twitter handle alive last night, going back and forth with some of the scenarios I gave regarding what the Colts should be doing right here. And I know everybody else is all coming up with their their theories and such, and that's the way that it works. And believe me, the Colts love that because that gives them, they don't necessarily have to throw the misdirection out there. We all do it to ourselves. If there's a reason we can't find a conclusion, it's because we all end up chasing our tails with all these kind of wild-ass theories that we have. And I am chief among them, everybody. (laughs) So wait a minute. So it'll probably come down to, that's what I think, it's going to come down to the most logical choice, the most logical answer, the most reasonable answer that I've thought of for a long time, and that, that they have liked Levis for a long time. I don't think they started this like this grand sandbagging technique back in October. But we shall see. We all end up doing a couple of different end arounds on this and tying ourselves into knot. Now we still have a long way to go, don't we? So we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. Mike Chappell's going to join us per usual from CBS 4 and Fox 59 in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm curious, did anybody get last night? For those of you that listen every day, and I hope it's like more than a handful. (laughs) That always makes me, that term always makes me laugh. I'm sorry, it shouldn't. Yeah, it should. You know what? It should. Something should make us laugh, and that should. But I hope it's more than a handful that do listen every day. If you watch the Pacers last night against the Raptors, when I sit here and talk, and I have to counter those that talk about, you know, best percentages at a draft selection and, you know, ping pong balls and all this nerdy stuff, I understand that it's important. I only dismiss it because I don't have the brains enough to deal with it. I'm sure that's absolutely right. But the other reason why I dismiss it is, is I think it is more important to watch this team grow in these 
what about Bob Baby Steps? I think it's more important for them to grow like that than it is us sit around and worry, well, if they win this game or it's better off if they lose this game or that whole term that I absolutely hated that got started earlier this year, the entertaining loss. You know, we've had too much losing around here. By now, I don't even care if you think the future is so bright, you've got to wear shades. By now, you should be sick and tired of losing. You should be sick and tired of watching your teams lose. We can document even the teams that win, even the teams that deliver or over-deliver, end up doing what at some point? They end up backpedaling. It has been tough for a number of years for any sports around here to sustain winning. A sustainable feature that's very important. I'm not suggesting like the Colts did, for example, back in the 2000s, the Manning era. You could talk about the playoff disappointments all you want, but that was that was sustainable winning. That was sustainable winning that led to the ultimate. That was sustainable winning that led to a visit to the ultimate and then a loss in the ultimate. But it has been few and far between. So I don't try to chase away. I don't try to shoo off of my front porch winning. It might have been easy to say. I'll give you a great example. And you're number one of luck and they surprised everybody, right? And I bet you some of you out there, and I don't blame you, some of you out there are thinking about that in terms of this Colts team coming up in 2023. We're going to sit around and talk about how bad they're going to be. The uh, the rankings, free agency rankings or whatever that thing is that I just retweeted within the last hour or so that had the Colts ranked dead last, for example. You know, that's the interesting thing about the NFL. If you can even a little more than half-assedly do it right, And then if you can have some good fortune, which has been fleeting around here forever, but if you can have some good fortune, which I think that teams around here are do some, but if you can have some good fortune, you can surprise and then over deliver, as I talked about this week in a season. And to a degree, I think a lot of you are sitting around hoping that the Colts can do that regardless of the quarterback they end up selecting and what they end up doing with the quarterback, or if any of our wild scenarios or our theories are going to actually come true. I'm just, my opinion on Levis is just one that is educated. It's not just some, you know, wild-ass guess that I'm taking here. But it could turn out to be wrong. It could turn out to be wrong. And everybody always says, well, Chris Ballard drops these hints here or there. And you can say that, but he also throws in some misdirection, and we end up taking off and running with it. I I like grab that baton and run with it, just like you do, just like people that write, just like people, other people that talk, uh, people that do stuff on TV, they talk, uh, take off and run with it too. That's part of the process. That's really a part of what is just an endless amount of conversation leading up to the NFL draft. We end up talking about, what, 95% of stuff that will not come true. I just happen to believe in the Levis thing, and I'm not a believer in Levis, who, by the way, his pro day's tomorrow. 
I am not a believer in him, but I am a believer in what I think that they like. But Chris Ballard does some misdirection. And I, I'm not one, like, I, I, you don't categorize me as, well, he always ends up telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been one to think around here that he tells folks around here he's he's savvy. And he tells people around here what they want to hear. He tells them what they want to hear. And that, especially if he's next to you, like live, it's one thing if he's on the phone or, you know, if he's in front of a microphone on a podium or something like that, but that can be diffusing. And that's, you know, that's what you do. That's what these guys do this time of year. They do not want to let you in their kitchen, and I don't blame them. But it's our job to try to screw around and see if we can fall face first in there and find something out. But everybody likes to say how, well, he doesn't lie and he has to just tell the truth and you can take bits and pieces out of what he says. I I don't necessarily know if that's completely true. I will gather when we were back at the combine and we had our conversation, I just felt a couple of different times in asking a similar question, in this case, two different ways, that it was going to be a lot of what we have seen in the past. And I'll stick to that. Just like I'm going to stick to the quarterback move. The first thing that he said, if you remember in our conversation, was this. He said, hey, you know, I'm trading back, and you know, and, and he knows I mean, that, that will get a laugh out of everybody. And that, that laugh is diffusing. And it can be diffusing, you know, for the host too. I just, I, I didn't, like, I didn't want to laugh and, you know, pat on the back. And it's not because I was being a jackstick or, you know, I know everybody thought he sat there with his arms crossed and he didn't like me. I don't think that was at all true. I just wanted to, to be a back and forth Q&A that we gather some information that we wanted to know. Because you can get lost when when guys are savvy, when people are savvy at that level like that, they can give you a misdirection. You can start laughing and talking about other stuff, and you completely miss the point. And it's not just Chris that does that. All these guys do that. It's one of the traits that I think you have to have when you're at this level in the NFL, a general manager or a team president, I think you count on that. You know, Bill Polian was good at that, too. He was good. He talked a long time and he used big words and talked about the Patriots. But then, as an end result, he didn't really say too much. That's a skill. That's a skill that they have. But in the NFL, you can have a quick turnaround type of season. You can be in the dumper, as the Colts were this past year, and then you've got hope regardless of what you do, regardless of what you see in free agency, regardless of if your team is last in the NFL and these power rankings right now. I mean, you can get a little bit of good fortune and take off with it, right? That's what you can do. Uh, In the NBA, that is much more difficult. And that's why getting back to last night, I thoroughly enjoyed that game from a standpoint that I've been trying to convey to you for a number of months. I want to see this team grow through winning. I want to see them understand and learn together because most of these guys are going to be together for the foreseeable future. Certainly the core of guys that we're talking about. I want to see them and I would rather see them grow from the experience of winning 
especially in late-game situations, rather than just cheer for entertainment. Hey, there's a dunk, and they were close, and a big three. Oh, crap, they lost. Uh, and now you get a better percentage at whatever draft lottery position you end up with. That, to me, is not as important as these guys, this core group learning how to win. And then seeing those results. Getting close is one thing. We all think with this team, well, you got close and that's great. They don't view it that way. They view it as we just got our ass whipped by Toronto. These guys don't care anything about tanking, don't care anything about where you think their ping pong ball is going to be blown into coming up in May. They want to go out and win. They want the accolades. They want the positives. They they want that. They want a night like Andrew Nimhart had in Canada last night, which was an outstanding evening. That's what they want. And in turn, that should be of the highest priority of you. You, the fan, should have that high on your priority list. Like, don't get caught up in the entertaining wins crap. I hate to say it this way because we all do the same thing. Well, that's just talk and that's just words. I rarely, if ever, have said that. That's exactly what I view that to be. But, I mean, I'm just talking and I just use words all the time. Same thing. I try not to be hypocritical about that. But that is true. I just think in this category, what you witnessed last night, that to me is much better in terms of growing the product that you want to see. That will be a consistent winner. That will over-deliver. That will give you that consistent winning that you have not had around here in forever, really in anything. That, to me, gets you closer than feeling satisfied on, hey, that was entertaining for, you know, three quarters and, I don't know, ten and a half minutes before... The floor caved in and you lose. I want to see them do what they did last night. I want to see them go to a place where they haven't won in the regular season since 2013. And then cash it in and win. To me, last night was more important. And I've been trying to explain that to you for a while. I don't know that I had accurately done so. But I've been trying to explain that to you for a long time. That That is, last night in theory is what I was looking for and what I wanted. And I know that that's not going to happen every night. Tables probably will be turned coming up on Friday night in Boston. And you got a back-to-back situation. You know, Friday night Boston, Saturday night in Atlanta, probably be different. But last night you saw some guys step up that, again, are going to be a part of this core for a while. And you saw them with a positive close beat a team that, at least Pacers-wise, not them, but Pacers-wise, they haven't beaten in Canada in forever. That, to me, is more positive than anything else. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's what I've been trying to explain to you about the growth of a team. Don't get me wrong. I know it's important to find that draft pick that helps find another wing to bring in better talent. And I know I can understand that, well, you don't want to be in that play-in because you don't want to be, you know, somebody that they're still going to get, even if they get dropped in the play-in, which more than likely they would, they're still going to get dropped in to the lottery. They're just not going to get 
you know, the percentages of opportunities as the other teams that don't make it will. To me, that doesn't matter. I just want to see them win some games, feel good about themselves, and grow from that. Do I think it's going to put them in a play-in situation? I don't. I mean, if it does, am I going to think it's the worst thing in the world? I'm not. This has been all the way around. Even in the season in which right now, what are they, seven games under 500? Seven games under 500 right now or whatever? You know, normally we look at that and you go, oh, man, especially considering the amount of winning that has gone on around here, which is little to none most often. But this has been this has been a positive year. I thought the Pacers handled it right at the beginning. They just put it right on the line saying, hey, you know, you guys, there are going to be some nights you're going to watch. and going to go, holy crap. This is not any good. Look how far away we are. This team's not going to be any good. And they laid it all out there and said, hey, there are going to be some nights you feel like that, but others you're going to be pretty proud of this group, and it's going to make you wonder how good they can be. It's going to make you more interested in wondering how good they can be. And I think to this point of the season right now, that's a job well done, is it not? In terms of a losing season, let's just say, hypothetically, they don't make the play-in game like a lot of you, that you don't want them to. But this has been a positive, considering what we thought and the growth that we have seen. And a night like last night is one of those where you can revert back to it. You can say, hey, look what they did here. No Halliburton, no Duarte. Look what they did here. You know, look what they did against Toronto. When to get a team they haven't beaten up there in a long time. So that's what I've been trying to say regarding the Pacers. It's just not, I'm not trying to get them into the postseason for a feel good when you're five games under 500 and you're going to immediately get bounced. I want to see this group grow and you can see it and you saw it last night. And that to me feels better than being entertained for three and a half quarters and then watching them lose because you can get a higher percentage as far as the ping pong balls are concerned. You know what? You keep working at it at some point too. You keep doing a lot of the right things at some point. Good fortune is going to find you. I know you're going to laugh about that because around here, I don't know when's the last time we saw a good fortune around here. But at some point, if you keep doing it right, if you keep building toward that, at some point it will. But last night was a great example. Great example of that. And we can hit it up with you at 239-1070 if you like. Chris Denary had the call. He's going to join us in the four. I'm assuming with what I just talked about, he is in full agreement. But Nimhard was outstanding. I do. Listen, Benedict Matherin has had an outstanding rookie season. I think I like Matherin more for this than anything else. He just, I mean, nothing really matters to him except him playing out there and him going after the person opposite of him or the team opposite of him. J.J. and I had this conversation a couple of days ago. And I'm not suggesting it's the wrong thing to do because now it is definitely the thing for most NBA players to do after every game. They go out and hug and, you know, exchange shirts and all that stuff. Uh, Benedict Matherin, unless it's an Arizona teammate, goes to the locker room. I like that too. 
I don't care if you're cordial. I don't care if you want to interact with somebody you haven't seen. You may have played with in the past and do it for a couple of minutes after a game, even in a loss. But, man, I also enjoy when somebody is dissatisfied with what they just got in terms of a win and a loss, and you just go ahead and walk back to the locker room. He does that win and loss. I love that. And I'm as cordial as hell, but when it comes to this, you have to have an edge. That is such an important edge. When you think about it, some of the better players of all time have had that particular personality. Oh, yeah, you know what? We'll shake hands and have fun at a golf outing sometime in the late summer or early fall. You know, we'll hang out at All-Star Weekend, whatever. But, man, some of these guys, some of these guys that everybody likes to describe as killers have that exact attitude. I like it. I do. We can hit some pacers if you like it, 239 1070. A couple of other notes, too, and I'll get to this date in history in the NCAA tournament in just a moment. I don't know where this came from. I think it's uh, NFL Rumors page. I'm not sure. I think that's what that is. NFL Rumors page. Where I saw this about 19 hours ago that the NFL Rumors page <laughs> said that DeForest Buckner wanted to go play for a team that is ready, set to win right now. And then somebody had told me, uh, this is a site that rarely gets anything accurate. And then ultimately DeForest Buckner said, I think you better check your sources on this, which I think is incredibly funny. So we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on too. 33 years ago today. 33 years ago today. Now, this is off of, to me, one of the best state championships games I've ever seen was my graduating year of 1988. Sean Kemp and Concord and Chandler Thompson and Sam Long of Muncie Central. It was an absolute athleticism dunk fest. It was incredible, especially in 1988, to be sitting in Market Square Arena and watch that go down. It was incredible. You're thinking, this is a high school game? It was lob dunk, dunk this, dunk that. Sean Kemp's driving full court, throwing it down. That is just stuff you don't see. So you go back to 1988 for that. Fast forward, what, three years later? And 33 years ago today, Chandler Thompson dunked on absolutely everybody. If you remember, UNLV was on their march. They were on their march to what? They were on their march to the national championship. On that march, and the team that came the closest to beating them was Chandler Thompson and Ball State. I think they lost by a point or two in the regional semifinal. And, and to that point, Greg Anthony, who was a part of that UNLV running Rebel team, he was their point guard. He actually, in an interview after that on CBS, had a Ball State hat on in which he was asked, why are you wearing a Ball State hat? And he said, because I want to give props to a team that played us as well as any team has played us. That is pretty impressive. But the Chandler Thompson dunking on everybody, that's one of my favorite highlights of all time. 
33 years ago today. I tweeted that out if you guys want to see it again. Brent Musburger and the late, great Billy Packer on the call, and it was fantastic. I think Billy Packer alluded to the fact, and this is something Chandler Thompson's been on here before and talked about in the summertime jumping over a car and dunking. I think it was a Honda Accord. But Billy Packer brought that up, and he said – He felt that that probably wasn't altogether accurate. He used other words, but not altogether accurate. And then after seeing that, he thought, well, you know what? Maybe that is true. And Musburger is just going crazy. But just a great highlight of the past right there. 33 years ago today and Chandler Thompson. I think Chandler Thompson occasionally listens. He's still around. And a shout out to Chandler Thompson because that was one hell of a run. And that was one hell of a game to watch, too. 33 years ago today. I also wanted to bring this up because baseball season is just around the corner. I know we had the World Baseball Classic earlier this week, won by Japan. But baseball season to start is just around the corner. And my favorite team, the Reds, are going to be an absolute disaster. I mean, FUBAR to the highest regard. And you can point fingers everywhere to the Castellini's ownership, to the nerd general manager, um, you know, payroll, all that. You can just point fingers everywhere. They're just going to be bad, right? One of the great reasons for me to ever go to Cincinnati and watch a game was because I love the Reds, but also, man, that gave us an opportunity. Remember back when we used to be able to go to Cincinnati and it was always on your mind, you went to Cincinnati to do what? You went to Cincinnati to watch the Reds or go to Kings Island or go to Jungle Gyms, but you always stopped either on your way out or on your way in in Ohio and bought you a couple of cases of Yingling. Well, since that point in time, Yingling is available here. Now, I will say this, while it's available in Greensburg and parts moving southeast towards Cincinnati, there's a location in Anderson as well. I probably have had more Frisch's big boy watching a Reds game than I have anyplace else. I always thought that was great. Frisch's big boy, French fries around 10 bucks, a little over 10 bucks over there. Seemed like a deal. And then I hear the news from Mark Sheldon, who covers the Reds yesterday, that is no longer Frisch's big boy. They have been they have been ousted. And Chick-fil-A is now going to be in for Frisch's big boy at Great American Ballpark. Chick-fil-A, which there was a point in time when it was new. I remember it was in the Bloomington College Mall. That was the only location I knew that was around. It was in the Bloomington College Mall. And it was kind of an afterthought compared to Luca Pizza, compared to McDonald's. It was kind of an afterthought. And then, you know, obviously in the past 15 or so years, it has really taken off. And the chicken sandwich in general has taken off. But I loved a Frisch's Big Boy. And that was one of the few times I ever found myself getting one. And it is now out of Great American Ballpark. And that adds yet another horrible decision by the Reds. I don't know at what level organizationally that was, but what a horrific decision. I'm not anti-Chick-fil-A. My kids love it, right? But I love Frisch's, and I especially love it because you got to work. It's like Yingling used to be. you got to work to get it. We used to love getting Yingling in Ohio because we thought we were like the bandit and the snowman and just bootlegging. It wasn't. 
but you had to go somewhere and get it and bring it back. And that was what was cool about Frisch's. They used to be around here everywhere. I think there was one in Martinsville. There was one here on the south side at 65 in Keystone, which is now a Denny's. But now Greensburg, and then as you go further southeast, and then there's a location in Anderson, too. No longer a location in Great American Ballpark, and that is a sad deal right there. That is a a tremendously sad deal. Just another in a line of horrific Reds decisions. See, there's where I would tell you you'd be worried about winning or anything positive for a long period of time. Around here, these teams, the Pacers being one, are showing this right now, and now it's the Colts' turn to show you that they can be as well. Yeah, the Reds, I don't know when that's going to happen. Anyway, we can get that and more at 239-1070. Email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I kind of mistakenly jumped in there a little bit earlier for the midday show. Oh, I normally do, drop a couple of F-bombs and get out. (laughs) Nah, not really. But you can get in there. We can talk. I participate, too. I get in there just like I got in there a little bit earlier today. Chris Denary, Mike Chappell, me and you. I see you guys loaded up. I'm rocking and ready to go. Everybody tonight, say it with me. Tonight, you're a Florida Atlantic fan. Say it with me. I know there are a lot of hillbillies around here, but none of you hillbillies like this Tennessee team, right? Come on. I know Tyreek Keyes from Indiana State, but he left Indiana State, so I don't care. But again, I know I speak to a lot of hillbillies. I speak the language of hillbilly. That's where I'm from. Don't tell me you hillbillies are going to go for Tennessee tonight. For tonight, one night only. You all will be owls. Okay? Get back to tonight's schedule in the Sweet 16 and a lot more. The stream, the app, HD Radio, 93.5107.5 The Fan. With JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, I'm going to get fired up for tomorrow night, too, by the way. Keith Sweat Guy, new edition. Cambridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. Who's going? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, that's going to be great. So I'm at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino on Anderson tomorrow. I'll see you up there. Then I'm going to go ahead and book it back down here. And to go over to Cambridge Fieldhouse, I know Mike Wells is going. Manny is going. Got to check in with Manny, but got everything going here. And hopefully I see everybody down there tomorrow night. I think we all we all need a really strong night out of enjoyment. And let me tell you this, across the board, you could not get any better. And I saw a script set list for new edition. It is incredible. They do everything. New Edition, Bell Biv DeVoe, Johnny Gill, Bobby Brown, Ralph Tresvant. They do everything. If you don't have tickets, I think they're still available too, but tomorrow night's going to be fantastic. 
Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino tomorrow, too. I'd love to see you up there with me. My man Rick Moore and company will be up there, too. We'll be talking it up. That's tomorrow from 3 until 6. And then Gamebridge Fieldhouse for us all for a little Friday feel-good, which I think we all need. It's okay. Coming up tomorrow night. Meantime, Kristen Airy, top of the hour. Mike Chapel coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll double back to a lot of the thoughts Colts-wise, quarterback-wise. I hit uh, why last night was exactly what I had talked about and wanted to see from the Pacers, how I explained that to you, what was important to me. You saw it last night. It had nothing to do with getting close to a possibility of a play-in game. Had everything to do with that group on the floor that played in a place that the regular season wise, that team hadn't won since 2013, and playing well and closing a game, thus growing together, which is exactly what you want to see. And that's what I talked about. And you got the Sweet 16 starters coming up later on tonight, too. I'll dive into that in a second. John's at 239 1070. Hello, John. How are you? Good. Uh, so I've lived here for 25 years. I would say that the current Pacers team, the young guys they've got, I'm very excited about it. At least they're playing with a lot of, you know, enthusiasm. Yeah. And I think they've got decent talent. Here's my question about Benedict Matherin, though. Uh, I love everything about him, everything that he brings to the table. What do you think about his outside shot, though? Um, when I look at it, you know, when they drafted him, and he would say this about himself, that he feels that he is a good outside shooter. But when I watch the games, he's a little streaky from three. He's got all the elements of being a very good player. I'm a little concerned about his three-point shooting because to be elite at 6'6", I think, you have to be a good three-point long-distance shooter. Uh, And I almost feel like he's got a little bit of a hitch to his shot. Can you speak to his long-distance shooting? Uh, And thank you, John, for the call. Uh, I'll say it simply here. Uh, This is kind of a a new era term, which will shock and awe a lot of you because it's coming out of my mouth here. Stop it. But he's a dog. And he'll work at it. He'll find it. If there is anybody that I would trust on that team that is going to work endlessly on their craft to get better, And there's nothing against anybody else because you know that they're all going to, but the one that I would fear the least about is him. Because that is one of the major things that you can tell just beyond what you see on the floor is his want to. His want to is at a high level. He's not thinking about other things. There's nothing really else going on in his mind other than going out there and whipping a little ass. That's my favorite thing about him. So I, that to me, that to me, especially in this era with the level of importance, you work at that, fine tune that, that's going to be okay. Man, you cultivate what is already ready made within him. And that is that one to. And you can tell. You can tell. So I wouldn't, John, not worry about that at all. Ramon's at 239-1070. Ramon, welcome to the hey, show. how you doing, JMV? Fantastic. I think that was a great synopsis there. Uh, let's just well, remember I got to look that up. That's a big word for this show, Ramon. Come yeah, on. Yeah, he is a rookie. I mean, look 
at uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard's and everybody, you know. They do work at it, and they seem like, look at Kawhi. Kawhi's a 40% three-point shooter. So, you know, he's a rookie. Give him time. Uh, John, John L. Davis from my hometown of Gary. Uh, I'm happy for him. Yes. I thought he should have been Mr. Basketball. COVID hit it, just derailed everything he had going that year. And I thought he probably should have been Mr. Basketball. He didn't get a chance to shine. Let's talk and about he, him uh, really quick, time. too, Ramon. I want you to go ahead. Since you've you've seen him, you've known him. If you don't know who I'm talking about, Florida Atlantic has John L. Davis. He is from Gary. And at six foot four, is as smooth and is as chilled a player that you're going to find out there. He does he doesn't get he doesn't get rattled at all to me. I I'd love that. I, I talked about that with Dusty May, his coach on Monday. He doesn't seem like he sweats. I mean, he you just know? is kind of cool, calm, and collected on the floor. And he's got a really good collegiate game. Okay, now why why are we not keeping uh, our homegrown talent? The, the young man from Cathedral is going to Michigan State. Uh, the, the point guard is playing for Miami. That beat the, yeah. uh, the Hoosiers the other day. John L., what's, what is the problem here? And then I think the Pacers may get that 10th spot. They only a game back. They keep fighting hard. They may get it. But what is the problem with getting this home talent that can have us propelled to these Sweet 16s more often and have quickness for Purdue like they were lacking? And why didn't he give uh, the, the Valparaiso kid, Brandon Newman, some minutes? They may have been out there to go get some athleticism to help. Everybody talked about a zone. I thought he didn't give Brandon much time. Brandon probably would have got out there being hungry. Well, I thought they needed offense. People talk about a zone, and I I dismissed that. I said, you score 58 points. You needed offense. Thank you, Ramon. Yeah, I wasn't worried about the zone. I was talking about this yesterday with Bob Kravitz. Well, what about a zone? Zone. And okay, but we're talking about a team that scored 58 points. You needed offense. Uh, regarding John L. Davis, I don't know why he didn't get many looks. I don't think he got many looks at all from anybody coming out of Gary. Who else did he bring up? Oh, he, he brought up Nigel Pack. Well, I mean, listen, Purdue had interest in Nigel Pack. Uh, Nigel Pack had interest in uh, getting paid and going to Miami, and it worked out twofold for him, so that's nice. So now he goes to the Sweet 16, and uh, it is all good. But, yeah, Purdue had definite interest in him. No question about that. 239-1070. Manny is next. Manny, you ready tomorrow? JMV, tomorrow night, man. I got him. I got him. I'm going to get with you after the show, and then I'm going to be in Anderson, and I'll get back down here, and I'll meet you and Wells somewhere around Gambridge Fieldhouse. We're ready to go. All right, that's cool. So you gonna contact me through, through yeah, my number? Yeah, I got you. I got your number on my desk back there. I'll call you after the show, and uh, we'll be we'll be good to go as long as I don't screw up these uh, these tickets. Which, again, that's not out of the realm of possibility here. All right, keep that in mind. <laughs> so, right, yeah. man, I, I got confidence. But in let me, but feel feel good about this. If I screw it up for you, I'm gonna screw it up for me too. So I mean, that we'll be, we're all kind of in the same no gang on this one. Yeah. No, we don't want no screw Tonight's gonna be too much. Tomorrow night gonna be too much fun. Man, I've been looking forward to it, man, the last couple weeks. Me too. But yeah, I'll get hold of you after the show, and we'll just meet somewhere around Gamebridge Fieldhouse and, and go in coming up tomorrow evening. That works. Thank you, Manny. Appreciate that. Manny's going with Mike Wells tonight tomorrow. And a shout out to Dion, who actually hooked it all up. Dion's my boss. Great dude. He's going to be there. It'll be a blast. Litzy writes this at JMV Remember to take 69 South after you leave Hoosier Park. 
I once got lost after a Belle Biv DeVoe concert, oddly enough there. Uh, John Martin asked, do I have the sniffles? Here's what's weird. So I've had kind of a cold, and I can tell it's really nothing more, but it's hanging on by a thread here. Like, I've beaten the hell out of it, but it's just kind of hanging on a little bit. And in a a last-ditch effort to hang on, it gave me some sneezing fits today. It's really, it's really, it's coming at me from a couple of different directions. Like it gave me some sneezing fits. I rarely sneeze, and I, 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 I mean, it, my kids are going, "What's wrong with you?" And they just giving me a pain right here. I don't think it's like a heart attack or anything, but it's giving me. It's hanging on. It knows it's about done, but it's giving one final push to try to hang in. But yeah, just a little bit. Hey, by the way, do you remember when this dude, when he was a little toddler running around the bleachers at Perry Meridian when his older brother Mike Jr. played there? Yeah, it's Antoine Davis for sure. Because Mike Davis Jr. played at Perry Meridian when John was there and played for uh, Mark Barnheiser when Mike Davis was the head coach down in Bloomington. True story. From Andrew, JMV, I heard you being sad about losing Frisch's, was wondering what's the opposite of a sports arousal? Is that a sports deflation? Um, In terms of no Frisch's big boy any longer inside a great American ballpark, and again, in a laundry list of just bad decisions by the Cincinnati Reds, it's just what they do. I would call that burger flaccidity. Hashtag burger flaccidity. And that's what I got with that. Freshes, I'm sorry. And I know a lot of you don't like that gunk that they put on there is what you call it. The gunk that they squirt on there. I love the gunk. But freshes, I love. Yeah. Hashtag burger flaccidity is what we'll call it. Mike, hang on. We'll get to you. Top of the hour. Chris Denary called the game last night in Toronto with the Pacers getting the win. I loved it. I did. I don't know how meaningful it's going to be further down the road, but I loved it. And I explained to you why I loved it, and I explained to you why I felt it was important and why I feel that it's more important than being an entertaining loss, which I have absolutely come to hate that phrase. Losing around here, I'm sorry, should no longer be entertaining. I mean, you should be worn out on it. Right? It's like Andrew Andrew Dice Clay. Now, there was a moment in time when that guy, is everything was funny, and then you go, well, wait a minute, you're going to another one of these? So, you should be worn out on that. All right, I know. Mary had a little lamb. You know, yeah, no more entertaining losing. Because you should be sick and tired of losing in general. Chris, top of the hour, Mike Chapel, 5 o'clock hour, 93.5107, 5 the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's party time. P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta. 
93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. What Jim Carrey film is that right there? That's from The Mask. The Mask. I've never seen it. You know I hate Ace Ventura Pet Detective too, right? I'm not actually a big fan of Ace Ventura either. I've never seen The Mask. I mentioned this before too. I've never seen Princess Bride. No way I'm going to sit through that stuff. Um, Oh, here's one that's going to surprise everybody right here. I have not seen in its entirety Back to the Future. That surprises a lot of folks. Really? That is true. Never in its entirety. Yeah. And I've I've always had a, a, not a thing, a thang. That's a different, right? If you have a thing for, you I got a thing. I had always had a thang for Leah Thompson, but it's not, not back to the future. Maybe all the right moves. So, not Back to the Future, never in its entirety. You've seen it in its entirety? Oh, yeah, I've seen all three of them. I love the DeLorean. I love the DeLorean, even though it'll probably, you know, like Lamar Jackson more of these times, hey, it looks great, and then it'll break down on you. Spend all that money on the DeLorean. Galwin Act, we're going to open up the Galwing door like Todd has on his Explorer. He's going to break down on you. Stainless steel. Hey, Mike, close out this hour of the show at 239-1070. How are you? Hello, Mike. I'm here. Are you there? Oh, gosh, yes, I am. I'm I'm, I'm multitasking. Me too, yes. We're both multitasking. Go ahead. (laughs) Hey, I just just had to call when you mentioned the whole Ball State thing. Um, You know, I I, I love the nostalgia and and all that good stuff, and, and you always talk about your days at Indiana State. So I was lucky enough to be... Uh, a sophomore at the time when Ball State went there and, um, you know, went to the Sweet 16. And one of the things I wanted to point out was it was interesting to me is the first team they played was Oregon State, who had Gary Payton on the team. Right. Gary Payton apparently was a notorious trash talker. And at one point, um, two other players you did not mention were Paris McCurdy and Curtis Kidd, who were both from Detroit. And... Uh, they they were bad boys. Pa- Paris McCurdy was built like a brick, you know what? Yeah. Yes. In fact, he, he tried out to be a tight end for the the Denver Broncos at one point, but those all that whole entire team was recruited by Majerus. Yeah. Majerus left, and uh, but at any rate, um, at one point apparently Gary Payton complained to the referees that Paris McCurdy and or Curtis Kidd were talking too much trash and that that he wanted them <laughs> quiet which was kind of funny well wasn't was, the the second round game was louisville right didn't uh i think chandler had a dunk had a breakaway dunk on was it LeBradford smith of louisville yeah, at the time so, yeah yeah so quick quick last story yep. um obviously ball state just you know exploded at that time and you know everybody was so excited and couldn't you know couldn't stand themselves um so outside of our uh, rental house and I don't know how the hell we got away with this, but we had a sheet and we decided to spray paint fudge UNLV on it and hung that that up the entire week. And no one came by and said, you better take that down. Yeah, so well, Dialed into that UNLV. That was a great game, though, was. Great, <laughs> it was. Great recall, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, thanks for bringing it up, man. You got it, man. 33 years ago today, Chandler Thompson's put-back dunk against UNLV in that semifinal regional loss to the running Rebels 33 years ago today. Chris Denary 
Mike Chappell, me, you, 239-1070. It's hour two next. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, I've got 53 years in right now. Dean Vernon Wormer, I'm all good. Thank you very much. So, Duke Dynamite tells me that there is still one precious big boy location inside Great American Ballpark. It's just one stand and the others will still be there. Is that true? So if that is true, then I need to shut up, I guess, right? Then I can stop complaining about it. But I was told that it was all of them, and I would hate to hear that. But thank you for that update, because I would like to go ahead and cut out, uh, much like I am uh, sugars and carbs right now, complaining a little bit. My, well, in this case, what would it be the complaining outtake as opposed to my caloric intake? That's my hope. Thank you, Duke, for that one right there. Tony, a sweet 16 later on tonight. I have not heard from you. Everybody, an Owls fan tonight? Nine-seeded Florida Atlantic, the four-seed Tennessee, 9 o'clock TBS, Madison Square Garden. And I know this will come to a shock to you, but this will mark the first time the first time in the history of basketball being played at Madison Square Garden that somebody from Eastern Green in Green County has been a coach on the sideline. That's never happened before. Never happened. I know it's a shock, but everybody's an Owls fan tonight for me, okay? Michigan State, Kansas State, 7-3 games, 6-30 TBS from Madison Square Garden as well. CBS tonight at 7-15. Arkansas just looked tough as hell against Kansas. They were fun to watch. Arkansas, UConn, Vegas. I mentioned Florida, Atlantic, Tennessee at 9. And Gonzaga, Blake Thomas and the Zags, the 3C, the 2C, UCLA. There's a great deal of tournament history right there going down. That's a Vegas tip time in the neighborhood of 945 coming up later on tonight. Meantime, Pacers go back to back. The Celtics and the Hawks coming up tomorrow night and Saturday night, respectively, off what I thought was an impressive win last night in Toronto over the Raptors. Voice of the Pacers, Bally Sports Indiana, Chris Denary joins us. I talked about this, Chris, at the outset of the show. What they did last night was... To me, exactly what I've been trying to explain. When people tell me that was an entertaining loss or tell me, you know, you really don't want them to win. You want to have them with the best possibility inside the draft lottery. I always say I want to see them grow. And with growth is winning. And, you you know, you grow off of that. You get confidence off of that. I thought last night was a tremendous example of what I've been talking about here for the past couple of months. No question. I'm in total agreement with you, and especially, you know, playing without Tyrese Halliburton, who this year stats-wise is one of the top closers uh, in clutch time in the NBA. And, uh, you know, coming off that disappointing performance where you couldn't close out Charlotte, uh, John, I've said this, that Toronto is as good at atmosphere as there is in the NBA. They had 19,800. It was loud. Uh, They had won seven straight there, uh, nine out of ten. The Pacers had lost 15 straight in that building. And yet when Toronto made its fourth quarter run, the Pacers never gave in. They never gave up the lead. It was tied, I think, maybe once or twice. 
but the Pacers were always able to at least keep them a little bit at arm's length. And, and you're right. And for this group and, and for somebody like Andrew Nemhard and Benedict Matherin, it's important to, to learn how to close out games. It's, it's important to learn how to win um, in tough environments. And so I think that's exactly what they did last night. Uh, they did not want to do what they did on Monday. And that, as you said, come, come close. Uh, they wanted to win, and uh, I can assure you that, you know, sitting on the bus last night with those guys uh, as we went to the airport to fly to Boston, I mean, they were all, you know, even Tyrese Halliburton, he's reliving the game with his teammates because he was proud of what he saw. So, yeah, I, I, I just think experiences like that, uh, will help this team moving forward. Kristen Neri joins us, and it's also interesting to note that they did that work last night in front of Wayne Campbell and Austin Powers as well. So <laughs> that's another layer of impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, no question. I mean, to see Mike Myers sitting there uh, courtside, I mean, we, you know, we go to Madison Square Garden, and we're so used to seeing, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of celebs. Uh, I did not see Drake in the building last night. I mean, he might've been there, but I don't, uh, the, usually, the spotlight's not big enough yet for him. Is it probably yeah, not? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what's interesting, John is and to your point, I was listening, um, sitting here in my hotel room, watching golf, getting ready for basketball and doing some prep. And Hey, I've got uh, 107.5 the nice. fan on my computer um, is, you know, when you look at Toronto, they won 48 games last year. They were the fifth seed in the East. They're hanging on to stay in the play-in with virtually everybody back, right? Um, and here are the Pacers. They're a young group trying to figure out things on the run. I mean, if listening to some of your listeners, if you're buying stock, you're buying Pacers, right, because of, of what you see in the future. It's going to be an interesting offseason for Toronto. Uh, we'll see what they do here in the final eight, nine games of the year. But, I mean, they're a team that collectively has been together for some time, and yet they only are, what, a game and a half ahead of the Pacers in the standings in the East. So, um, you know, it'll be an interesting last nine games of the year. I think the most vivid memory of Rodney Stuckey was Drake clapping behind his head in that postseason game, right? Is that the most yeah, vivid we memory were- we have? Yeah, we were thinking about, uh, in fact, for Jeremiah Johnson, uh, we, we were talking on the bus. He had never been in the building doing a broadcast um, for a win uh, because he joined the team after the, uh, as the sideline reporter after the 13-14 season. The last time the Pacers had won was in 12-13 in the regular season, and the Pacers did win game one of that series with Rodney Stuckey in Toronto against the Raptors, but I don't think we did the game. I think it was a national telecast, and so we didn't get to do the game. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great to see, especially those three three guys that hail from Canada and that Rick Carlisle yeah. let all three start. I, I just thought that was so cool. It tells you the relationship he has with this group and with this team, and you can see it on the bench. Uh, I mean, it's 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 really cool to see. So I'm assuming that they knew that never before had three Canadian players started an NBA game for the same no, team, Rick, correct? Rick really didn't know. Oh, Rick okay. didn't know until, until J.J. told him in the pregame show. He just felt that, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity. Uh, you were going to start Matherin and Nemhard, and he went to Aaron Neesmith after shoot-around, and Aaron was like, absolutely, I'll come off the bench. You know, let O'Shea start. This is a wonderful opportunity for him. So, 
no, Rick did it because he felt it was the right thing to do, not knowing that it had never happened in the NBA. Wow. I Do you think, will, will Matherin, uh, Nimhard, these, some of these guys play for the Canadian Olympic team? I think so. I mean, they're all on the national team radar. You know how, you know, yeah. in the States, uh, you know, they've got like 25 to 30 guys on the roster. And then, it, you know, as you go to World Cup and you go to the Olympics, it pairs down to 12. Uh, clearly, Matherin, um, Brissett, and Nemhard are a part of that group um, with Canadian basketball right now. Uh, what's Andrew Nemhard's future? With his team, let's just say with a consistently healthy Halliburton and the makeup of this team right now, what what do you and, and maybe that evolves, changes, whatever, as we move further into the future. But what do you think it is right now? Isn't it cool to know that the Pacers have him locked up for four years as a second round draft pick? He got the, the most lucrative second round contract in the history of the NBA. And now you can see why. I mean, the Pacers, when they drafted him, they, they were stunned that he was still there at 31, and they quickly, you know, scooped him up. I mean, I think all of these opportunities, he can play alongside Tyrese. He can play with the second unit. He can play with T.J. McConnell. It's just getting more and more reps and more confidence. And we really, you know, he, he struggled, I, I think, in January and into February, and then he had that five-game stretch prior to the game in Charlotte where he had back-to-back 20-point games. He was really aggressive. He was assertive. And then for whatever reason, Monday night in Charlotte, he probably had his poorest game of the year. And he bounced back, you know, in big-time fashion last night. Rick Carlisle will will say the reason he got in the starting lineup back in early November was because of defense. And we saw that last night. He can guard multiple players. I mean, he was guarding in the first half. He was guarding Siakam. He was guarding Van Vliet. And so think about what he was going through last night. He's the lead guard uh, trying to get his teammates involved. He scores 25 points. He has 10 assists. And on the other end, he's got to deal with probably one of the best offensive players on the Raptors team. So to do that as a rookie uh, is is highly impressive and I think tells you that he's 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 going to be a good player for this franchise for many years. Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers, Bally Sports, Indiana Pacers, got back-to-backs, Boston and Atlanta, beginning tomorrow night in Boston, of course, and we'll have the coverage for you as well. Chris on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I had a caller a little bit earlier. You probably heard that. And ask about Matherin in terms of developing a three-point shot that is much more consistent. And I answered this as follows in in terms of I, I think being you know uh, somebody that is in the know and in the now right now this is like something that will be a trendy term to use he's a dog and I think he will go by whatever means necessary to improve and develop and the last thing I'm worried about is his development with a three-point shot would you agree 100% in agreement with you uh, this guy will do whatever it takes and, and think about it, yeah, he's only shooting 32% from three, and that's down from what he shot October, November. But he's come back. He hit his only three on Monday in Charlotte. He was three for three last night and did not hesitate to, to, to put one up in a, in a critical situation in the fourth quarter. This guy will do whatever it takes. John, I, I think about somebody like Paul George. When he came out um, you know, back in the 2010 draft, he was not a three-point shooter, uh, but he honed his craft, worked on his game, um, and, and that's 
that's Benedict Matherin. I mean, I was sitting next to him on the bus last night going to the airport, and he, he's re-watching the game. And it's funny, I'm sitting there listening to my call with Benedict as he's re-watching, you know, bits and pieces of the game. I mean, that's, that's how locked in the guy is, and uh, he will do whatever it takes. John, when he got hurt, when he sprained his ankle, his ankle touched the ground, right? I mean, it touched the ground. Right. It was as bad a sprain as we've seen, and he rehabbed as feverishly as possible because he did not want to miss a game. And I'm assuming, too, he wanted to play here or last night in Toronto. Uh, so, yeah, this, this guy's a worker, and he's going to do whatever it takes to become the best. And I, I have no – I, I don't have any worries about that three-point shot. Uh, he will he will hone his craft. Yeah, and I, the the one worry that I'd have more than that is what you just explained, is because he is such a euro step step through type of guy. That's probably not the first time we're going to see him roll his ankle while stepping on somebody's foot in the lane like that. And I don't. I I was talking to JJ about this a couple of days ago. I would agree with him. I, I don't see how that doesn't happen so much more frequently than it does the way that it is now. Yeah, that's what I told Quinn when it happened. And you think about uh, how he contorts his body and how, uh, you know, he attacks. That, yeah, you are surprised that it, it came to almost game, you know, 70 uh, before something like that happened. So, you know, really good that he only missed four games. Um, and and, and uh, I don't have any worries about this guy. I mean, he's averaging almost 17 as a rookie. Uh, he's been tremendous, and that's what I that's what I say uh, about this group. John is, you know, I was listening to you earlier. If you look at teams that have built with youth um, of late, Cleveland and Memphis. If you just go back a couple of years ago, those teams were winning twenty and thirty games. Now they're in the forties and the fifties with basically the same people. They've just grown. They've just matured. And that's what you're seeing with the Pacers hope is that they take this young group um, and, and, you know, maybe there are some changes. There's always going to be changes as you move forward each and every year, but they've got a core that they believe in that um, as it gets older, it will get better. It's Chris Denary with uh, so much conversation around this team, if at all is centered around the possibility of a play in. Well, I think, I mean, this group you know, if you talk to the players, I mean, this group, I mean, you have so many of them that have never been in the postseason. I mean, they've never played you know, what they would consider a meaningful game. I mean, I think, um, let's see, a few years, O'Shea Brissett was in the play-in with the Pacers against uh, Charlotte and Washington. Miles Turner, uh, T.J. McConnell's been in the postseason. Neesmith, of course, with Boston has been in the postseason, but not – not as a person that or a player that played very much. War the same, won a championship in Milwaukee. Um, they've got George Hill to lean on. I mean, George Hill, I think, has been in the playoffs 13 of the 15 years he's been in the NBA and twice got to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Pacers and uh, played in the Finals with Cleveland. So they've got some guys, Daniel Tice. They've got some guys that have ex- experienced it, but if you look at the guys that are in the main rotation, no, they've not played in the postseason. Matherin, Nemhard, uh, Heald, uh, Halliburton. So it's something that they want to experience, and and they want to do it um, because it's meaningful. And we'll you know we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, Chicago losing last night helps narrows the gap. 
Uh, the Pacers own the tiebreaker with both Toronto and Chicago. Uh, they own the tiebreaker with Washington as well, who's just behind them because they have a better conference record. So from that standpoint, the Pacers are in pretty good shape. But you've got to win games, and you've got as difficult a back-to-back this weekend as possible. You've got Boston, who you beat uh, earlier in the year, uh, and then you go 22 hours later, and you've got to play in Atlanta, a 5 o'clock start on Saturday. And then next week you have Dallas, Milwaukee, and Oklahoma City's playing well. So it's not like the schedule is light. You, you've got a difficult schedule that you've got to try to win games to either catch up or hold your place in the East. Right, speaking of Saturday, too, and Kristen Neri joins us, two things always impress me about Quinn Snyder, his hair and the fact that I think he's a good coach. I do. I thought he was a yeah. good coach in Utah. I think he's going to be a, a coach of the future there in Atlanta. Are they doing anything noticeably different? Uh, are they still just kind of giving Trey Young the ball and having him go at it? Is there anything different than the way they did things under Nate McMillan? Uh, you know, maybe a, a, a little different. I, I do think it's hard for a coach to come in from the outside and, and make a lot of changes. Uh, I mean, I think back to uh, when the Pacers made a midseason switch uh, back in 2010, 2011. That was with Jim O'Brien and Frank Vogel, but Frank Vogel was an assistant on the staff, so uh, he knew most of those players. Uh, you know, they, they've been up and down a little bit, you know, even since uh, the coaching change. Um, they lost last night uh, at Minnesota. Uh, they will not play again until the Pacers play them on Saturday, but, you know, they've got a lot of good talent. I mean, they're another team that, uh, unfortunately for Nate Millen, uh, McMillan, underachieved this year. I mean, you, you've got a number of teams – that's why the offseason is going to be interesting, John, because there are going to be a lot of teams that feel like, man, we've capped out with the players that we have. We need to make changes. Um, and, and that will put probably some pretty good players available out on the market, and we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. I think the end of the season is really interesting in terms of guys that just kind of pop up off onto the radar that hadn't been on it for most of the season. Like, for example, what Austin Reeves has been doing since LeBron James went down uh, with the Lakers, and not, you know, in for him, but being in that lineup as a part of it and getting more freedom to do stuff. This is the time of year where oftentimes you see a team unearthing something that they really didn't know they had. Yeah, this sets the table for the future for players and franchises. I mean, I go back. Um, you know, to the bubble and and how individual players, uh, I, I remember Phoenix, uh, that really set the table for their run because they went 8-0 and in Orlando. They were not going to be a playoff team, but but they had players that, that, that stepped up. Cameron Payne, uh, you know, is with Phoenix now because of what he did in those eight games in the bubble. And so as you wind down this final three weeks in the regular season, as teams are jockeying, I mean, Dallas <laughs> JMB is now ninth in the West. I mean, they're, they're two games removed from not even being in the playoffs. I mean, it changes every day in the West. So uh, you're right. I mean, you see somebody like Austin Reeves, this will only help his career, help his opportunities either with the Lakers or somebody else. But the Lakers now feel like, hey, this is a guy we can count on because he's doing it in critical situations. Speaking of Dallas, have you ever been a part of a game that was protested? Uh, no, uh, I have not. And I, I you know, I, I've 
read about it and 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 looked at the video, I, I just don't see how they're going to win the protest. I mean, it if there was miscommunication, I, I just I just don't think there's enough there. <laughs> it's pretty funny though. I mean, it, it was I had to laugh funny. at that last night. <laughs> Looks like something fifth graders would do. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> what end are we starting on here? Oh, I'm going to put it in play. Ah, too bad. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the little league outfielder sitting uh, by the fence picking uh, dandelions. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I looked at it and I'm thinking they're all they're all by the outfield fence and and. Somebody's hitting hitting the ball, a ground ball, and just running around the bases. I mean, it was it was crazy. And for those that um, uh, are unaware, this is how Mark Cuban explained it via tweet last night. For those wondering about the play with 154 to go in the third, let me explain what happened. The ref called Mavs ball. The announcer announced it, and then there was a timeout. During the timeout, the official changed the call and never told us. Then when and it goes on talking about how you know, they inbounded the ball and blah blah blah, and he's protesting that. I, I guess also the something I thought about considering he does that and we're used to it. How many other owners? Owners sit courtside like that. I guess Balmer with the Clippers does and goes wild. How many other owners, though, sit courtside like that and, and at times will go as crazy as those two will? I don't think he goes as crazy, but you'll see Michael Jordan from time to time, you know, sitting at the end of the, the Charlotte bench. Uh, but yeah, but but none of them, I think, go as crazy as Mark Cuban. <laughs> well, yeah. Balmer, Balmer will give him a run for yeah. his money sometimes, yeah. too. But. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was odd last night. So Boston and the Hawks coming up on back to backs and yeah. a win over the Raptors last night. Chris Denaria, Bally Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Everything else going all right? Yeah, all good. I mean, uh, what I was going to tell you, you were uh, reminiscing about 1988. Oh yeah, and uh, Sean Kemp and Chandler Thompson. I did that game on radio. Um, and uh, did it with my dad, my late dad. I mean, it was. I still have the cassette tape. It is in my basement, and it still works because I've uh, I've listened to it before. Uh, but I did that on uh, WXLW nine fifty for Bill Shirk. Wow! And uh, what a what a phenomenal high school game uh, between Muncie Central and uh, Sean Camp and Concord. I mean, I I have vivid memories yep. about that. And of course, as you talk. You know, I was then at Butler. That that led to me going to Butler as the voice of Butler and then of playing against those Ball State teams that then, as you said, went to the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, you uh, you took me down memory lane with your uh, 1988 reference. No I, question. I've had, I mean, that was so incredible to watch. I mean, when you, when you think where I – came from obviously we don't see a lot of that down there um you know the dunking the high wire stuff that you saw in that game but between Kemp and Chandler Thompson that was incredible it was just like a back and forth between the two most of the time yeah I mean it was uh, what Jamar Johnson uh who went to Nebraska was on that Concord team I think yep he was uh, on that yep he was he was on that Concord Cedric team Van, yeah who Cedric else Van Leer Cedric Van yep. Leer played for Muncie Central Sam Long in- Muncie Central yeah yeah, Cedric Van Leer uh, was an assistant with Jack Kiefer the last number of years, but uh, he was an assistant this year with my good friend Jim Stanbro, who coached Cecina uh, into the semi-state. So Cedric is still coaching. You know, Chandler's been a coach. Uh, yeah, that I mean that was that was a great championship. Uh, I mean that was phenomenal. We rolled up here from Greene County. 
me and like four other dudes, teammates, high school-wise, in a 1979 green, ironically enough, two-door Ford Thunderbird. <laughs> I mean, it, that was something. I wish we had that car back right now, too, to be honest with you. But, yeah, two-door green Ford Thunderbird, 1979 back then. But, um, well, no, it was I a great weekend. On, I can tell you on Saturday, it is going to be a quick turnaround, not just for the players, but for us as broadcasters. Uh, after tomorrow night with that 5 o'clock start in Atlanta. But I will have uh, IHSA TV, Valley Sports, dialed up, uh, watching those games in the morning. Uh, my sons uh, went to Garen Catholic, and so Garen will be playing in the, uh, the game. Really, it'll be opposite our, our telecast against the Hawks, so yep. it'll be on Valley Sports Plus. But yeah, it's always a great weekend. Uh, Indiana Pacers franchise is proud to be a sponsor with the IHSA of uh, the basketball state championships. Colts do a great job with football. So, yeah, it will be a great day for basketball at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on Saturday. Yeah, that lineup that Chris is talking about right here, Southwood and Lutheran at 10.30 a.m., those are two teams that get up and down the floor in 2A, Fort Wayne Blackhawk, Matt Roth, the former Hoosier, their head coach, and Linton, the Miners. Joey Hart, the son, is going to Central Florida, and he's a very dynamic player that you'll enjoy. That's a 1245. The 3A, as Chris mentioned, Garen Catholic and Northwood, and then the 4A game, you'll see if Ben Davis and Don Carlisle can go unbeaten on the season. Uh, but you got Floyd Badunga in the way. Kokomo and Ben Davis at 815. You could not ask for a better lineup, Chris. Oh, no. I mean, you've, you've got some outstanding teams. Uh, I My dad coached at Northfield, and so I'm very familiar with Southwood because that was uh, the school that shared the same school corporation up in Wabash County. Did your dad and coach fact, the Ross Twins in Northfield? Is that where the no, John and Joe Ross that went to Notre Dame Twins played high school? That's where they went, yeah. but we were gone before then. We had moved to Westfield okay. prior to the Ross Twins uh, coming to Northfield, and uh, because uh, the Ross Twins, uh, shoot, I think they were doing – they were playing for Notre Dame uh, when I was doing Butler games. I think so, you're right. Uh, I think they're more my age. Yeah. So Yeah. They're not quite into the 60s like uh, like I am. Uh, but, no, uh, uh, Garen Catholic, uh, my middle son, Will, played in the regional final back in, like, 2010 – and they played Southwood. Southwood had beaten Deshaun Thomas yeah. uh, in the morning game of the regional, and then Southwood beat Garen Catholic. I mean, Garen, Garen's won two state titles already, and they're trying for a third, and that school's only been open, uh, I don't even, it's been not even 20 years, so... Uh, should be should, just should be a great day of basketball at uh, Gainbridge Field. It's going to be populated. I'm sure this game probably will with a number of Joe Wright's kids too. By the way, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, uh, you know who has a son? I believe on the team is uh, Brian. Yeah, Cardinal. Brian Cardinal. Yeah, yeah. So Brian Cardinal has a son at Garen. So yeah. And it's yeah, it's incredible. It's going to be fun, fun, fun as hell. That's a good Joe and John Ross recall right there from Northfield back then. So That is. That is. Well, my dad got there after Steve Offeld had graduated. Okay. So Steve Offeld, who played at IU, uh, is a Northfield Norseman. So I was, a, I was a member of the Norse for a couple of years, and then we moved to Westfield my junior year, and I became a Shamrock. It, do you know, is Cherubusco still a high school? 
I believe so, yeah. Wow. There was a kid, uh, I say kid, he's my age. They had a player back uh, when I was in high school, I think graduated around 87 or 88, named Jeff Perlich. And the reason why I know this is I, I followed him to a degree when I was a senior because that's when the three-point shot uh, was instituted in high school basketball, and he shot the lights out from distance in your number one there. And it always I was always checking to see how many threes he had in a game. And I think his name was Jeff Perlich, and he may have played in one of the directional schools in Carolina. Maybe Western Carolina, maybe Eastern Carolina. I think his name was Perlich or Perlick, something like that. But I remember following his games because that was the first year of the three-point shot to see how many he had in games. And most of the time he had uh, uh, an incredibly uh, more massive amount of those than I did. So just always checking, though. Always caught my interest. I'm way too old because that three-point shot was nowhere to be found when I played in either high school <laughs> you know, or college. It so. would have been such a difference. And can you imagine the difference? I just I think about, for example, like Rick Mount, for example. Can you imagine? Well, yeah, you imagine? Rick Mount uh, in high school, yeah. Billy Keller, uh, any of those guys that uh, – Jay, Jay Edwards. You know, Jay Edwards. I, I will – I will say this, though. Uh, we, we did some shooting the other uh, – it was Eddie Gill and I and Ken Softman, our pre- and post-game producer. We get to the practice facility in Toronto uh, before the team, so we were out there shooting, and we were always having lots of fun doing that. Yep. But it seems like the that three-point line has gotten farther away as I've gotten older, John. I mean, it feels like it's well, a mile away now. Let's think about this as we move into the future. At some point, they're going to have to widen the floor and bring, I think, the three-point shot out further. But don't you think now everybody is concentrating on that so much, it's not impressive any longer unless you're near the logo. I, I think at some point, I think the NBA, somebody's going to address that, I would bet, one of these days. Yeah, but. It's going to be interesting. Or, or, will there, or will there be a four-point shot at some point? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, look at where Nemhard made his three last yeah. night at the uh, – that cashed the game. I mean, it was deep. It was Halliburton range. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I, right. and, and listen, what gets me are the corners because you, you have all these big dudes and there's barely enough room to get their feet in there. So, yeah, and they, they kind of have to Sean Elliott on, you know, their tiptoes so they don't step out of bounds. Yeah, I was going to say we have at least two to three uh, step out of bounds in that corner a game. I mean, because yeah. you just the, you just can't fit over there. No, you can't. All right. Well, we'll be watching tomorrow night and Saturday night. Job well done last night. And thanks for listening, as always, Chris. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, John. It's uh, Chris Denary, Bally Sports, Indiana, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Sure, Busco and Jeff Perlich. I believe that's that dude's name. He just shot an incredible amount of threes. And I used to check that box score out or look for the box score in the uh, out-of-town games. Um, eh, it was it was tough to find it back then. But I used to want to – no, I just wanted to know how many he was hitting in games. So I tried to check at least back then. Uh, that was the first year of the three-point shot in high school. Quick break. We'll come back with you, with me, Mike Chappell, top of the hour. Latest Colts stuff. Their power rankings here in this offseason, not so swell. We'll explain that on the other side next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, wait just a minute. Did anybody f- knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now that break got me all excited right there. Yeah, shout out to Ron and Premier Deck Coatings. I can't wait for that. Plus, the IHSAA state championship spot that was in there with Jerry Baker from 82 and Plymouth and Gary Roosevelt. Holy crap. Man, that was so awesome. Just, you know, just hanging out at home and watching that when I was 12 years old. Man, what great memories. Cliff sends me this at JMV 1070. Jeff Perlick. Not Pearl Litch. Of course, I come from southwestern Indiana, so I think people give me somewhat of a break on that. So Jeff Perlick was an amazing shooter. I went to school at Cherubusco, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, too, and remember watching him play and lead the Eagles to some great wins. I just remember wanting to know how many threes that he had back in the first year of the three-point existence. I was kind of curious about that. Good callback right there. Uh, JMV, thank you for the shout-out for Zane Dowdy yesterday on the show. Appreciate the kind words. I, I am happy to see the way that he has evolved this season. And it, my, my question was, and I know he's going to Valpo, I think my question was yesterday to Kyle Nedrip of the star as he raised the bar on his game to where, you know, maybe it's it's someplace else right now. And I wasn't trying to get him to go to Indiana State or anything like that. <laughs> I was wondering. But just an outstanding year. I'm going to tell you, Ben Davis Kokomo, everybody. What do they have, 7,000 plus? Am I going to say this right, Kokomoans? 7,000 plus Kokomoans? That is a lot more than would go surround a pond and watch Calvin Fitch in a bass fishing contest. That's impressive right there. Place is going to be packed. Howard County representing. Saturday night's going to be great. Actually, all day long at Gambridge Fieldhouse is going to be spectacular. Jay's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Jay. Jay from the north side of Indy. Long time since we've talked. Where John. have you been, Jay? No, no Saturday Survivor Eye of the Tiger requests? Nothing. Where have you been? I, I know. Big sports weekends, I guess. I understand that. I do get that. So, so anyhow, you were talking about the Chandler Thompson dunk from yep. 33 years ago. I was. I've never told you this before, but my senior year at Ball State, I got to write a story on what the nine seniors were doing from the Sweet 16 team. Oh, really? From that Sweet 16 team. And Paris McCurdy was trying out as a tight end for the Denver Broncos, like a guy mentioned before. And Curtis Kidd was playing basketball in Israel. And I met Sean Parrish at a game like four or five years ago, and uh Told him thanks for everything he did for the university. <laughs> yeah. Great guy. Sean Parrish is a great guy. And that's why his daughter, Sydney Parrish, is outstanding in her own right, right there. Right. Yep. Right. So, yep. Great so guy. I just wanted to mention that to you. And it could have been Curtis, Mike Spicer to Curtis Kid for an alley oop, but he threw it just about a foot short. Of Mike, the Mike Spicer. 
Mike, that's a Mike great Spice. recall right there. Yeah. Jay, I appreciate you calling, man. This weekend, too, man. Break away from hoop a little bit on Saturday and give me that survivor call. Okay, I will, no doubt. Take yeah. care. Bye-bye. You got it, man. Yeah, Chandler Thompson. I think he did a little teabagging to basically everybody out there. Tolkien Owens? from Aaron. So the Reds are getting rid of Frisch's. I guess Skyline will be their franchise food. Whoa, boy. Here's something else that you may not know. And I know a lot of you are very interested in the inner workings of your good friend right here, me. I have never had Skyline chili. Never in my life. Not one time. And most of the reason is because that's something that it appears that you need to eat there. And there is zero way in the world I can eat that there. None. No way. I've never had Skyline. Thus, I've never had Gold Star. So I've never been able to get a part of this debate between Gold Star and Skyline. I've never had it. Believe that. There's no way. Hey, Corbin says it's pronounced like bus, Cherubusco. The dude could shoot, though, man. Let me tell you that. All right, you got Sweet 16 starting coming up later on tonight. First game on the schedule, 6.30 Michigan State, Kansas State. 7-3 game, Madison Square Garden in New York, East Region. CBS underway at 7.15, about 45 minutes later with the 8-4 Arkansas-UConn game from Vegas. Everybody's an Owl fan tonight. The 9-seed, the Dusty May-led Florida Atlantic Owls, and the 4-seed Tennessee Volunteers out of the SEC. 9 o'clock from the Garden. And then tonight, hopefully, and this is why I'm worried. I've, I've told you this before. Oftentimes when I get really excited, and you can't wait to watch something like Florida Atlantic and then followed by Gonzaga. Normally, when you get excited about something, at least that's what I have gathered over my years. When you get really excited, overexcited about something, it turns into a letdown. So I'm trying to squash it as much as I can because I don't want either one of these games for me to be a letdown, especially that for Dusty tonight. I just know from past experience, oftentimes when you just so highly anticipate a game, it does not live up to that anticipation. Hopefully, these two especially do later on tonight. Gonzaga, UCLA, the 3-2 game with a history between the two teams. Not the players on, well, actually some of the players on this team right now, but a long history in the NCAA tournament of some games. You look back to what Adam Morrison and that Gonzaga team in UCLA a couple of years ago, Jalen Suggs with that team. Jaime Jaquez was still a part of that. Tiger Campbell was still a part of that. Should be a good one coming up later on tonight. That's 945 on CBS. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. A little bit about Lamar Jackson from yesterday. The Colts, bottom of the power rank. It's the offseason. Nobody's playing, but... Just thought I'd throw that out there. The pro day yesterday had one Colts scout there. Everybody from Charlotte, North Carolina, was in Columbus to see C.J. Stroud. 
Uh, many of those same people in Carolina are down in Tuscaloosa for Bryce Young. And then tomorrow in Lexington, I'm assuming that there's going to be a bunch of Colts people over there for Will Levis and his pro day. We'll keep you updated. We'll talk to Mike about that coming up at the top of the hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, what happened there? The video froze. What? Yeah, it's YouTube. Love it. Does that happen often? Uh, when, whenever I'm trying to play something out of here, it seems like it does. Oh, I hate that. Is it ready to go back again or is it still turning? It's still it's still buffering. Give me a second. Is it turning and burning? Let me know. Give me a thumbs up when it does. I don't know how much time we have to wait on it here. I was trying to give you the uh, from regulation to overtime call in 82 with Plymouth's uh, Plymouth and Gary Roosevelt and Scott Skiles from Jerry Baker. That is like there are many play-by-play calls that I stop and absolutely love and can hear over and over again, and it still gets me excited. Uh, that is in that category right there. And we're going to play it for you. And the system froze. It's all freezing. Hold on one second. Turn me back up over there. Go. Let's do it again. Here it is. Kenny McKinney, 6'4", in to guide the man inbounding the ball. Jerry Roosevelt looking for a second state championship. They got it to Skiles, 20-footer, it's good! Can you believe it? Scott Skiles hits it at the buzzer, and we go to overtime. Holy cow! Oh, Jerry Baker, I believe that was Hilliard Gates right there, too. Man, is that great. 1982, and our friend Joe Koppel was in studio a little bit earlier, and he said he was there. Plymouth 75-74 over Gary Roosevelt. Man, Jerry Baker, what a tremendous call. Stands the test of time right there, it does. Bill's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. Scott Skiles, man. I'll tell you, I remember watching that uh, on Channel 6 uh, back, back then, and that was that was Jerry Baker, uh, uh, and, and that was refreshing to hear that. Wait, was that well, Hilliard Gates, too, that we also heard uh, in there? Briefly, he he briefly, yeah. but it was it was mostly uh mostly Jerry right. Baker uh, carrying the load. And you talk about people talk about players that get away from uh, IU and Purdue that were great in the state. Well, how about Scott Skiles? He went he went uh, up north, Michigan State, and, yep. and played at Michigan State. And that was a that was a player that uh, both Gene Keedy and Bobby Knight could have uh, certainly could have benefited from. But uh, but and. Because uh, you mentioned Michigan State, uh, I'm really rooting for Tom Izzo to to win the national championship. And the re- reason being is because I'm going to hold on to the Big Ten as long as I can. But uh, secondly, you know he's he's got 687 wins, and he's probably going to only coach a couple more years, and so he's going to get to 700. I think he's an elite coach, and the guy's been to eight Final Fours in his career that started uh, back in the late 70s, I think. But he's been to eight Final Fours. They were the champs in 2000. And I really would like uh, to see them win uh, just just for him. And he's already in the Hall of Fame. He was in the Hall of Fame uh, back in 2016. Who who, who are you talking about again? 
Tom Izzo. Oh, Izzo. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. The coach, the coach from Michigan State. He's yeah, carrying, yeah, right. he, he's carrying the Big Ten's water, so, so I'm, all, <laughs> so, I'm all about Somebody that. has but, to. Uh, somebody has to. So, somebody, yeah. definitely, somebody definitely does. But uh, as far as the Pacers go and everything, uh, I'm trying to determine, uh, and I was – 24 hours ago, I think 24 or 48 hours ago, I was I was bubbly over to optimistic. I'm still I'm not totally pessimistic. I still want to get in the playoff game just because I want to see one more damn game. That's basically it. That's what I got. That's what I got the uh, the cable pack or the uh, the package for. So, you know, when I just want to see another game, I want to see them uh, uh, be successful. And and uh, playing game is is definitely definitely okay with me. But but there's going to come a time. When we say, "What game is it that we start to tank <laughs> yeah. for Trace?" When do we tank for Trace? Yeah, well, yeah, Trace would be available right there. I'd imagine where the the Pacers are if they they wanted to do that. Billy, I'm going to see you. Maybe not on Friday, but I am going to see you at some point. Right here next you week, you, man. Yeah, Friday. I'm going to be up there with. The, I'm going to be up there with the ponies. I'll be oh, there. Oh, that's the awesome, Bill! I can't wait to see you tomorrow, man. You got it. Billy's going to be up there. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. So I brought up the name Jeff Perlick from Cherubusco High School. So Cliff was kind enough, being from Cherubusco as well, to share with me the stats that I was talking about. I said I used to try to follow him because he was a prolific three-point shooter in the first year it was offered at the high school level here in Indiana. And Cliff was kind enough to send me this. 87-88 senior year, 68 of 109 three-point field goals. That is a 67% clip if you need it. 68 of 109. Now, that's not as good as me on the gun right now, but that was actually in real games, 68 of 109. 10 for 13 in one game as a senior. So that was the reason why I used to try to find his stats. I That impressed me. It impressed me. 68 of 109. You're number one. That is incredible. Quick break, and we'll come back with your calls. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. A couple of things, including the Colts being at the bottom of the power listings here in the offseason. Mike Chappell with us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, tomorrow night, we're all going to be together at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, right? So, tomorrow, we're in Anderson, Harris, Hoosier Park Racing, and Casino. Be up there hanging out. And then I'm going to get back down here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Me, Mike Wells, Manny, Dion, and the gang around here celebrating the Legacy Tour. That band, that's Teddy Riley and Guy. Keith Sweat, and then absolutely everybody from New Edition. Everybody. Johnny Gill, check. Ralph Tresvant, check. Big Ron DeVoe, check. Ricky Bell, check. Michael Bivens, Bobby Brown. And they do absolutely everything. I saw the set list from an earlier show. They do everything. 
Tomorrow night, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Hopefully, I see you there. And we all need that time, don't we? We need a little bit of time to, uh, if it were troop, I would say spread our wings and fly away, but it's not troop. Tomorrow night's going to be a blast. Hopefully, I see you there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But first things first tomorrow, Harrow's Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline from CBS4 and Fox 59. He is Mike Chappell with us. And before we get to the Colts, I wanted to bring this up because you spent a long time on the beat in Anderson. And we've been going over all these state championship games, state championship semifinal games. Uh, Of course, you got them coming up at Gambridge Fieldhouse coming up on Saturday. But it was a different era. It was single class back then. And you were covering Anderson when there was no place better to cover high school basketball with all the schools in that area. And in particular, the Troy Lewis-led team back when you were working in, in Anderson. It had to be incredibly special. Yeah, it was, I was there from 74 to 84, and on a Friday night, you'd have 9,000 at Anderson. You'd probably have 3,000 at Madison Heights and 3,000 at Highland. And I'm telling you, every year they had a, an all-star Ray Talbert Mr. Basketball, and they were always, you know, 18-2 and two Norm Held's teams were just great, could never – get over the hump, whether it was Marion or Muncie Central or somebody, or Connorsville beat them one year. Uh, but it was – that's why uh, when you've mentioned Brooks Barnheiser, uh, I covered his dad, you know, Mark, at LaPel. Yep. And you talk about a, just a shooter, just a shooter. But that's what we had. And there, there were years that our all – and I'm not really exaggerating, that our all-county team might have pushed the Indiana All-Stars. That's how good they were because the Ray Talberts and, and, and Troy Lewis, I go back. It, it's funny. And it is so cool to think about, although it tells me how old I am again, when, when, when uh, uh, James Blackman jr. Broke his dad's record, whatever, however many years ago it's been, he scored, I don't know, 54, 56 for Marion. I, I was there when his dad set the record against Troy Lewis in like yep. the semi-state scored 52 or 54 and Troy scored like 46. So it was just great. The North central conference with yep. Steve Alford and, yep. and all those and the Richmond's and the Marion's unbelievable. And then I come to the star and one of the first things I did was covered like the, one of the sectionals with, that had tech in it had like 50 people in the stands. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> so it was a different, it was a different thing. And I, I'm glad I was there for the kind of the golden era. Because yeah. uh, one thing I, uh, the, the last one member with, with uh, Larry Bird made the all-star team. 74. Uh, it's when Roy Taylor and, and yep. Steve Collier were, were co-mister basketballs. And I still, I swear to God, I was there. I think it was a butler. And, and they were just kicking the, Crapola out of Kentucky, second half, and Kirby Overman looked down the bench and wanted Larry Bird to go in. You know they're, they're winning by twenty, and Larry Bird basically said pound sand, and he wouldn't go in because <laughs> uh, Larry Bird thought he was greatly disrespected, right. and he thought he was. Yeah, but just just great times, great times. Yeah, that's something right there. It is. So that's that's seventy four, and you know, you got. I think you you got out of Anderson right before, and I, obviously you covered the North Central Conference, and Marion was a part right. of that right before Purple Rain got underway. If you said you were there until eighty four, so 
Right. And again, I, it's just funny how things work is I was still at the Anderson paper and I was looking to move and uh, I got the job at the star and it just so happened that the Colts first training camp was in Anderson. So since I was still living up there for a while, I, I sort of worked with John Banch to, to cover the Colts. And then, you know, I just, I just stayed with it and kept doing more and more and then took it over. For lack of a better description of Mike Chappell's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I've called it the uh, the wow sticker from Kroger is how I shop compared to what Chris Ballard does in free agency. I, I think it's almost like, and no disrespect at all here, it's like the dented can section of the grocery store or the dented can section of Big Lots is where he's kind of shopping. But up and down, how do you assess the work that has been done in the past couple of weeks by Ballard? Kind of what I expected. I mean, it, he said some things, and it was either in January or at the combine where you know maybe I need to reassess the way I do things or how we do things. And, and people thought, oh boy, they're going to start throwing money here and there and all this. And, and and maybe there was a thought about changing somewhat of the approach. But th- th- this is this has been who they are. I I, I just anyone who thought they were going to drastically change and. He's going to go down, if he goes down, they're going to go down doing what they do. So it's funny, and they took a lot of heat for the uh, Matt Gay signing. You know, he's now like the second highest paid kicker in in, in the league. Well, we all agreed that that Chase McLaughlin needed to be re-signed. Well, you you got better than Chase McLaughlin. You know, Chase did a great job. He really did. But Matt Gay is better, and he's he's more consistent, and got just as much, you know, leg strength. And okay, yeah, it's it's what five and change a year, but it's a kicker. It's not like you're overpaying for a receiver or or a left, you know, or another position to where you're, when you're overpaying, you're really overpaying. You know, in, in building a roster terms, five million for a kicker, yeah, it's a lot, but but it. it Relatively speaking, it's not. And you've got this thing taken care of now, that position, for four years. Now, I still, you know, they still need a receiver. They still need a right right guard. They they need a starting right guard. Uh, You know, their their starting corners from last year are gone. So if they stopped right now, then they didn't do enough. But they're not going to stop right now. You know, remember they got Rodney McLeod, who was one of their better defensive players, you know, later. So they're not done yet, and we'll see how they handle this quarterback situation. And then if they stay at four, that gives them a second-round pick to get a wide receiver again or a corner. So I I like sort of what they've done, but I always tend to look at the glass still being half empty, and it's still half empty with, you know, again, offensive line, you you need a backup tackle. Well, that'll come. But right now, incomplete, but that's how it is with a lot of teams because you still got a lot of time to go. So, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, one of your uh, your uh, writing colleagues, it's Greg Doyle, the star, uh, documented, I think, in a column this morning how he believes this is going to go down in terms of a trade down uh, regarding Hendon Hooker. And, uh, again, Chris kind of with me I know kind of joked about a trade down thing and I never dismiss it because it is Chris Ballard but I still am here to talk about because that's what I heard in October and it's been consistent since then and you know could they find somebody else or a different direction they would rather go because all these quarterbacks are in their evaluation so closely um 
tightly wound with one another right here, talent evaluation-wise. However, I could still see them trading down. I still believe, though, they hang at four and go with the guy they're all going to go watch tomorrow in Lexington and Will Levis. What say you? Yeah, I, I just I just wish I knew how they, they look at these guys. And they're not going to share it. Why should they? But if they believe you know, they're not going to get one of the top two, that's gone with with Bryce Young and, and, and Stroud. But do they think one of the other two guys, Levis or, or Richardson, is that good? And, and if you do, then you do. Then you, you draft him. Whether you, if, if you're that sold on the guy, you might move up to three so someone doesn't get your guy. You don't want to be sitting there at four and, and get the, the last guy, whoever that might be, unless it happens to be your guy. But, but yeah, I, I just think if, if they're convinced that that guy is that guy, you get him. What, what happens if they, if they look at the, the non-top two guys and they say, you know, we're not all that sold on them. Then do you take him at four and, and crush your fingers? Or do you, you know, one thing that Chris Ballard said, and it's really true, he said, we could stay at four and we'll get the best player in the draft. And let's say quarterbacks go one, two, three. Right. They, they stay at four. They're going to get the best player in the draft because the best player in the draft is not a quarterback. And I think that's what Greg was alluding to in that column, right, was get get set maybe not to have a quarterback at four, maybe a trade-up scenario in the second round and, and try to get Hendon Hooker. I think that was the scenario he's putting yeah. together. So and, and, we all have ours. You've got to be sold that Hendon Hooker, and again, until he got hurt, he might have been a top-five guy on his own. I thought I saw something today where it said he might he, – there's a good chance to be ready for the start of the season, but whoever you take at four, I just don't see them rolling that guy out there in September. You're going to go with Minshew to start with, and if and if you believe Hendon Hooker is the guy and and all of that, then fine. You 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 get a pass rusher, you get a left tackle, and you can't take a cornerback that high, but but or, or you trade back and get a couple of those guys, but. You better be damn sure that Hendon Hooker is the guy. Again, it, it, we tend to go black and white here, and it just feels like they, you know, and I'm convinced that they have got to get this quarterback right this year. I don't think you can sell anybody on, well, you know, we'll do this, and boy, next year's quarterback class, there's a couple of really, really good guys there. We're going to kick the can again. I'm not sure they've got the luxury of doing that. I, I really don't. I think they've got to sort of kind of put their money on, you know, the nose of a horse and go with him. But, but of course, you've got to have some conviction with the guy. So we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm really curious how they how they have these guys. Do they think all four guys are pretty good? Do they, do they think two is are really good and two are just eh, uh, and they're not going to share at all, and, and they shouldn't. I'm sure you're right, Mike, and I know that this is going to be a major option they have with Gardner Minshew, but I've always thought this way, and I'm going to think this way coming out of this draft, whomever they pick. I hope that they're either, in my opinion, ready to go and be thrust in there, or they're close to ready to go and be thrust in there. And I know that's why they have Gardner Minshew, and that's probably not going to be much of a worry, but I I want to finally see this team – 
I want to see them over deliver a little bit. And I want to see their quarterback get in there, thrown in, and start to develop. So, I, like, I, like, I'm not, you know, these, these, you know, these uh, holding them back because, you know, you're worried about that. Hopefully, to me, that they're ready made the earlier the better with a rookie no, quarterback. No, no, question. no so. question. I'm not saying redshirt the guy, but I, I just not, I'm not sure whomever they would have taken. Say they get the first pick and they take. Stroud or Young, would that guy have started week one? Maybe, maybe I don't know. But but I, until they until we know that they've got this line fixed, you know, you better be darn sure you get the line a lot better before you know they gave up sixty sacks last year, and that doesn't take into account all the hits. So you got to make sure that that the, that the whole team that the offense is ready for that guy, and just don't throw him out there and say hey. You'll learn from you'll learn from getting your your head beat in. So uh, you know, keep in mind that when when Peyton came in here in '98, he had a darn good line. I mean, he had, that, that was a good offense. I mean, it was a you know Marvin and, and, and Falk, Marcus Pollard, and, and he had his tackles. That was a good line. That was a good offense to go into. That, that's not where they are now. But there's no question. I I, I don't draft a guy unless it's a hooker. Or uh, the, the the Tennessee kid, and, and you're saying this might be something of a red shirt year, but maybe you know in November December he's ready because you know the team's not playing very well or whatever. I'm okay with that, but uh, it's just going to be so interesting how these guys view these quarterbacks. And, and again, we'll beat this to, to death until the end of April. They've got to get a guy. G- give the fan base. Give everybody screw the media. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't matter. Show the fan base that you've got a plan, and sink or swim, this is your guy. You, you believe in him enough to to make him the pick, and the fan base will be fine with a tough year next year if they see light, you know, and, and that lights the quarterback. And I just they cannot kick the kick the can down the road again. Can't do it. They they have to. They they have to find something. I mean, the absolute worst position to be in is finally sit at number four, and everybody says this is a good quarterback class, and the Colts say, I don't think so. Well, then you're really in a tough spot. Gardner Minshew is – he can be a short-term guy, maybe a 17-game starter, and we'll see what it takes you. But you've got to give the fan base and everybody else – a reason to think that you've got your act together, and then in a year or so, you're you're going to be competing for the division title. If not, what are you doing? It's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Again, the Will Levis Pro Day is coming up tomorrow. Bryce Young was today down in Tuscaloosa. C.J. Stroud had basically uh, everybody but the uh, night watchman, I think, involved at that yesterday in Columbus from Carolina in their Pro Day. So, obviously, we kind of think where they're going to be zeroing in on as far as the drafting of a quarterback is concerned. Mike's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This was brought up to me. Uh, in terms of Lamar Jackson, and still, it's a lot quieter, but it still does exist a little bit of conversation regarding the Colts with Lamar Jackson. And that is obviously not the path that I would take whatsoever. But I'm curious. You mentioned a fan base that right now goes into the season knowing how they're likely going to look. But does do the Colts owe to this fan base going after the best available at this point, if he is going to be available, if they could get him, do they owe it 
to the Colts fans to try to be much better than what we believe them to be at that position with this team going into 2023 by making a run at Lamar Jackson, or do they more owe it in taking their time and working in a rookie quarterback moving forward? Well, they certainly owe it to the fan base and everyone else to give it a long, hard discussion and not just a, yeah, we're not going to do that. You have to have a long discussion. I'm not all that concerned about giving up two draft pick or two first round picks if that's what it takes. No, I'm not yeah. either. I'm not. Now, the 200 and something or a million dollars in, in guaranteed money, that's different. That That is, that's real. And it's, I realize you can do a lot of stuff with the cap. You can. But that, my, my this thought, my my thought is longevity and his his well, that's, availability. That's, that's, that's the thing with that's me. Tied to, that's tied to the guaranteed money. What's he missed? You know, he's missed so many games the last two years. He's a great talent, and it, there's no question that Shane Steichen knows how to work with a with a mobile quarter with a, not mobile but with a running quarterback. I mean that that would be ideal. I mean it would it would work. But uh, I, the longevity matters. And but that's tied to the, to the guaranteed money and and what it won't allow you. It, it will as much as you can do what you want to do with the cap. That kind of, that that kind of investment will restrict you to some level. It, it just will. To where again, if you, if you, if you if you really like a guy, you know, to a certain level, to, to to the necessary level in the draft, then you've got that guy, you know, on the rookie contract for four years, and then the fifth year gets kind of gets pricey. But boy, you at least have to talk about Lamar Jackson, and and we feel like talked. One reason teams are reluctant to mess with these guys is maybe Baltimore is just saying, "Yeah, go ahead and get an offer sheet," and, and with the idea they're going to match it. You know that that that's you know a lot of times that's what teams do. So all you're doing is negotiating for the original team. But uh, you know you, you've you've got to think about it. I I would much rather go with. In this instance, a rookie. This isn't like getting DeForest Buckner instead of the 13th pick in the draft. I, I'd take DeForest Buckner any day over that. This is different, but there's just so many factors that go, and, and we're probably going to hear more noise, you know, linking the Colts to this. I know Mike Lombardi's really had a story out there, and it's going to be more and more, but we, we hear nothing from the Colts, which we never hear anything from the Colts because they're very good at keeping it to themselves, but. I'm just not sure that, that the, the money investment with, with a guy who, because of the way he plays, is is likely to get hurt. Uh, boy, he would be great. To, if he stays healthy, he'd be great for your franchise. He'd give an instant boost. He'd give instant competitiveness to you. I just think it's, it's something that's more interesting to talk about than actually to do. Isaiah McKenzie earlier this week was signed. Wide receiver that was cut loose for monetary reasons against the cap in Buffalo. Would you have rather the Colts kept Paris Campbell in this case if we're going to compare the two and their numbers, especially from last year, and especially with Paris Campbell coming off you know a season in which he stayed healthy? Was that more you think about a Paris decision, more that the Colts wanted to move on? Who would you have rather had if you had to choose between the two in this scenario, Mike? Oh, probably Paris, just because it's he's more. The problem is, he, I was going to say he's more of the known, but a lot of the known is the injury thing. You know, maybe the Colts looked at last year as the aberration. You know, in the first three years, are 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 with the injuries is more what to expect. Uh, I, I can't. I just can't. After all the times we spent talking to Paris, and w- what a great guy, what a great locker room guy. Uh, 
I never got the impression where he thought, boy, when I get a chance, I'm getting the hell out of here. I've had enough of this. I, I never got that at all. I thought he really liked it here. He was greeting the community and all that. I wonder I wonder if Shane Steichen looked at it and thought, no, I'd rather have someone else, a different body type. I mean, these these players are totally different in how they're built. What McKenzie's what, 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, uh, so, but, but you know, all things being equal, and I've not seen McKenzie's contract. Paris didn't get a monster contract, get, get a nice one for him. But all things being equal, I might have stuck with Paris, hoping that you know, hoping that injuries are past him. But I'd really like to know what Shane Steichen thought about it, and whether he said, "Yeah, I'd rather have somebody else." What how much of a voice he's got in there? I know he's going to have a voice. I understand well, he need, that he needs to have he needs to have a voice in the offense. He just does. I, I would agree because we all question whether or not Frank had very much of one. Clearly, with Carson Wentz and talking Jim Irsay into that, he did, but. At the same well, time, you really kind of wondered, player really personnel-wise, how much of a voice he had, or how loud it was, I guess, compared to yeah. Chris's. But I, I think he did early on because it was, you know, Philip Rivers was, was his guy too, right? Uh, and maybe that voice got a little bit less when Carson Wentz kind of, you know, didn't work out, and that that was that was Frank standing on a table saying, "This is the guy." And, and yeah, I tell you, we all thought and Matt Ryan was Jim Irsay's voice, right? That was Jim Irsay's voice. Which one? Matt Ryan was that Jim Mercy's? Yeah, because because you got to get rid of this guy and you got to find somebody out there that can take over the reins. So that's maybe why they they misevaluated yeah, somebody. Keep in, keep in mind, Matt Ryan wasn't available when they cut Carson Wentz, but but everybody thought he was going to be though. I mean, everybody probably, thought probably, that they were going to be. But but you know, it's it, 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 that just shows you how done they were with Carson Wentz. They didn't care who their quarterback <laughs> well, was. Be yeah, and that's the point here. Yeah, so. Right. So, and again, I, we were all, I was in favor of Carson Wentz at the time. I thought maybe if they could fix him and I was on board with Matt Ryan, because I thought you'd give him an offensive line and a running game, which they did neither. That's why, again, the owner was really, has really been vocal over the last year. They've got to draft their own. They've got to develop their own. And this is the year that, allows them to do that and that's why you know come april 27th they need to get their guy i had a caller earlier this week that said hey you're sitting there talking about quarterbacks and this and that but it's the offensive line you got to handle that before you handle the quarterback and my response was it better already be handled other than right guard meaning correct it, it, it better be just a stark contrast to what we saw a year ago you know back to what everybody thought was going to be the reality because if it they isn't they don't need to be yes they don't need to be a top they don't need to be a top well, five offensive line well but, i mean but, that's they, they, they have to make over themselves right correct. It, this is not something where you go out and hey pick somebody in the draft other than you have to address right guard but they, they've got to make do with what they have and that's look in the mirror and be better well they, they've got to have already decided that that four of those spots are going to at least be okay. And and, it, and they need to be better than okay. I mean, they're again banking on Bernard Ryman. Uh, he, he, he showed a lot more going into this this year than what Matt Pryor did going into last year. But they, they've got to be convinced that Quentin comes back to his, his, his level, Braden Smith does, and Ryan Kelly. And if, if – one or two of those guys don't, then then I don't know what you do. 
But they, again, they, they need a right guard, and and you can. I hate to this on guard. You, I think you can find a good guard. I really do. But you, you need you need a swing tackle. They need depth on that offensive line that they don't have right now. But it, yeah, if if the line doesn't work, I don't know that it matters who you put back there because they're going to get they're going to get beat up, harassed. The running game is going to struggle, and you're going to throw the ball ten yards down the field like like Matt Ryan and those other guys had to last year. So Mike Chappell of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. Before I let you go, anything else we looking for? Are they going to address um, maybe a little bit of help at, at tight end, or are they going to feel comfortable moving forward where they are there? Well, they drafted a couple guys last year, and you know, and re- really they had three because they reinvested in Mo. I wonder if Jack Doyle could come back and play. You know, I, I bet he's pretty happy happy what he's doing right now. But you know, that, that's probably third or fourth on my list of what they need. And that tells you how strong, in my mind, they need other things because tight ends were not good enough last year, and I think primarily in in in, in the run game, in blocking. So it's that's why I say if you stopped right now, they've not done nearly enough. But you've got nine picks in the draft. You're, you're going to have this second and third wave of free agency where they normally find pretty good players. They people can bitch and moan, and we do about not you know really going after the high-profile guys, they do a pretty good job of, of, of packing the roster with these mid-level guys who are pretty good, and that's what you need. But, but, but you also need those guys at the top of your roster that make a difference. If you look at the way the roster is built right now, the top seven or eight cap numbers are on linemen. You know, and it should be your quarterback. Your quarterback should be up there at the top. It's not for a reason, you know, because because they they've messed it up so much. But as good as they've been about making this roster pretty good from top to bottom, they've got to find some shock players. And until they get those players who just make other teams stand up and notice, it's going to be a struggle. And it starts at quarterback. It is worth noting that three of the AFC South's finest are twenty seventh through 32nd in the post-free agency power rankings with the Colts being number 32 overall and the Jaguars of Jacksonville currently ranked 6th. That's completely meaningless, but I thought I'd bring it up anyway. But but, but it tells you how everybody views them. Yeah. It, but, but I think there's there's some reality to it. What, why, how, how could you sit there and argue? You could argue the Colts don't need to be 32, I guess, but, but I, I couldn't argue very strong. I mean, they they couldn't beat Houston last year, so it's they, they've got work to do, and it's I'm curious how they do it, but they've got to get back to where they're relevant in the division, and you're not going to get Manning or, or Luck, but boy, get you a quarterback who gives you a reason to believe. It's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. Mike, enjoy yeah, that did, week. Did you, What's did, did you say you're in Anderson, or are you go to Anderson tomorrow? I'm going to Anderson tomorrow. Harris Hoosier Park Racing you and were Casino. Talking about you know, Chick-fil-A and Frisch's. Yes. And the last Frisch's I went to, I don't know if it's still, it was in It's Andy. still there. Yeah, it's still there. On, There's on, one in on Broadway, is it, on going out north on 9 right. or whatever it is? Right. It is still there, and I think there's one in, in Greensburg as well. So here. There, there used to be two. There used to be another one there at the, at the Anderson Mall, which is, you know, gone. Right. right. But, yeah, Dad always used to go there and got, get their patty melt. And, and and they're just disappearing. That's too bad. I love Frisch's Big Boys. The big boys yep. at Reds games. Big boys and fries. Yep. 
There awesome. You go. Absolutely awesome. Yep. So, all right, buddy. I appreciate it. Next week. It's a Mike Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Frisch is big boy, everybody. I go to Anderson and I want to go, but I just never have enough time to get up there and then get it and come back. Now, I love it. Quick break. We will turn tomorrow. I mentioned tomorrow, as Mike brought up, we're going to be at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. And then after that, down to Cambridge Fieldhouse for the Legacy Tour. Me and you on the other side, and we'll get ready to close this thing up, get closer and closer to the start of the Sweet 16. NCAA tournament resumes coming up at 6.30 tonight. We'll talk about that next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. A ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. Lot he does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, one of the greatest videos of all time would be this one. Sweet 16 is officially underway for you tonight at 6.30. TBS has got the 7-3 Sparty versus Kansas State matchup. Izzo v. Tang. Madison Square Garden, the first of two right there. CBS at 7.15 maybe has your interest. Uh, The eight-seeded Hogs of Eric Musselman taking off his shirt like our uh, morning show co-host evidently this morning. I did not see. But I will say this. I mean, I'm cool with it. (laughs) I did not see. But uh, I certainly heard. Eric Musselman without his shirt after that second round knockoff of the one seed Kansas last weekend. Arkansas, to me, is fun to watch. Up-tempo, athletic, full court, full bore. I love it. No pun intended on that either. Uh, that's Arkansas and UConn, the four seed at 715. Everybody out there with me, you're an owl for a night. We have an owl out in the hall, Helen. Night seated Florida Atlantic and friend of this show, Dusty May. And the four seed Tennessee. That's nine o'clock. Game two from Madison Square Garden. And then that nightcap in Vegas is going to be, uh, hopefully, again, it's a dandy. And I say that it's going to be, and normally when I say that, it does not live up to expectations. Not just that game, but any game in general. Three-seed Gonzaga, the two-seed UCLA with a great deal of history going down there. Now, I mentioned this. Gonzaga was my pick to win it all. And, And not because... I thought that they had the best team. It's because everybody else was so close together in terms of you know, level of play that even though this was not one of their best teams we've seen, certainly in the past five years, I thought it was good enough if you got guard play to get it done with Drew Timmy. And for the uh, first two games, Gonzaga's looked pretty good. Hey, also, I was thinking about this. Anybody watch the NIT last night? See, I love hoop. I was watching the NIT, Utah Valley, and Cincinnati. Anybody watch that? I think I just became a big fan of Utah Valley. Mark Madsen. Remember Mark Madsen from Stanford in the NBA? That's their head coach. 
probably saw Mike Roberts, the former Hoosier, on the bench for UC last night, too. But I can get down with the Utah Valley. This nice, nice little arena. First time that nationally televised game would be, I forget where that is, about 40 miles south of Salt Lake City. Play in the WAC. That was fun to watch last night. So I think they're now part of the Final Four of the NIT. The NIT is played in Vegas. But I was watching a little bit of that last night. Utah Valley, if you need them. Alex writes this, the Clark Elementary School in Whiteland. I bet this would be a cool gym to play pickup in. Is that that the one that's out in the country over there? On your way to Fairland, between Fairland and, and 65? That does look pretty awesome right there. I'd agree with you on that. Pace is a winner last night, and I explained to you why I felt it was important. And also, I thought it backed up what I've been telling you for the past couple of months. For those of you out there that believe that it should be, you know, a a three, three and a half quarter game to where you play well and you're entertaining and then you lose because you want more of a percentage overall inside the lottery, I want to see them play well and close out games and grow from winning games and grow together with their core. That was exactly what I had in mind from what we witnessed last night. Loved it. Loved that game. And a place, in fact, that regular season-wise, the Pacers have not won since 2013. That's the type of win I'm looking for. I don't care anything about, you know, the play-in. You get in, you do. You don't, you don't. But I do want to see them. I want to see them grow on the floor together. And I want to see them gain from that by winning games. I love that last night. 239-1070. Daryl's up next. Hello, Daryl. How you doing, brother? I'm great. How are you? You going to be out and about on Saturday night with me? I always couldn't call last Saturday. Too many uh, people requesting rides. It was a crazy weekend. It was um, it was packed last weekend. The lines were packed. So. It was. It was. But you do. You know, I just sit back and listen, man. You do a great job to keep everybody. You know, listening to some great tunes, and you know that's the way you do it. It's a fun time, my good friend. What you got? Hey, I was just wondering if I get something for uh, leading the bracket at the halfway point. Um, I don't know if we have a. I think we're always in, in terms of these contests, winner take all. I think. No, I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I myself on the back. Have you have you cashed in? And how many brackets did you make overall? Just one. I did three overall. Um, on. ESPN, I'm like 47,000 on that bracket, but uh, I'm going to choke at the end because I picked Arizona to win it all. Well, I had Arizona the championship game. Yeah. I had Arizona. I do have Gonzaga winning it, but we'll see. I mean, this is going to be a tough one for him against UCLA later on tonight. But what what a great last couple of weeks, man. I mean, great basketball all the way around. I mean, on my way to Twin Peaks to settle down and watch my Sparty fly. Sparty tonight. They're carrying the flag for the Big Ten against Kansas State. I mentioned Ezo v. Tang. That should be outstanding. It should. It's going to be. A, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a tough one for Michigan State to lose as a seventh seed or win as a seventh seed. But 
It's, it should be a good game. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Daryl. Hey, you have a good one. All right. Daryl calls in every Saturday night. It was packed on the phones last Saturday. I couldn't get away. It was a good time. Yeah, JMV, did you send out that video of Chandler Thompson 33 years ago today? I absolutely did. That dunk against UNLV. That was a very memorable season. I was at the Sweet 16 game in Oakland when they almost beat UNLV. And that's exactly where that dunk is from right there with Chandler Thompson. Chandler Thompson, a bench coach, one central. Man. And we went all the way back to 88 when he was at Muncie Central. And Muncie Central was taking on Concord in that final. That was absolutely incredible. Good recall today from everybody, too. All right, quick one. We'll come back for a final time. We will set up tomorrow. That's Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. I think harness racing season is set to get underway. Rick Moore is going to join us from up there. Chance at Rappaport's on this thing tomorrow, too. They want to do that. All right, we'll try to do that tomorrow. I know Wells is going to be here, Bob Lovell, and probably for the final time, voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, considering their season is now complete. We'll go over uh, exactly what he saw in Albany and moving forward with Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, coming up tomorrow as well. Quick break, final time with you, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you for joining us. Matt Lodick, the head coach of Valparaiso, has been let go. I brought up, you know, in terms of Valpo, that's where Zane Dowdy's going. Uh, the uh, big guy for Ben Davis in that 4A title game against Kokomo coming up on Saturday night. I did not know that that was going to happen. I didn't know that that was a possibility of happening right there. And there you go. But uh, that uh, from Jeff Goodman and whatever Jeff Goodman does, I think, uh, what's it called, stadium, something like that. Uh, Kristen Neri a little bit earlier, Mike Chappell earlier, podcast 107.5thefan.com, Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Uh, that is tomorrow before the Legacy Tour features Keith Sweat, Guy, and New Edition. That is coming up uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I hope I see everybody there. We all need a little bit of this fun. I'm going to go with uh, Rainman Jason at 239-1070. Hello, Jason. Hey, I just wish I could see you at Gamebridge tomorrow night. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic time. It, it is. I've, I've seen the set list for earlier shows for New Edition, and they you know, they have everybody involved. Bell Biv DeVoe, Johnny Gill, Ralph Tresvant, Bobby Brown. Uh, they're going to do everything. Absolutely yeah. everything. It's going to be great. Sounds like, sounds like a blast. I'll be at Skyline Tower actually ch- checking out uh, Tommy Baldwin. He's uh, he's oh. premiering uh, uh, his new album Rain. Gotcha. Well, have fun Tommy doing Baldwin? that. Oh, uh, well, say that again. I have fun doing that. That sounds like a good time. Oh yeah. Well, I hope it's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. I haven't been I haven't been to the Sky Tower before. I guess it's twenty six floors up. I guess I didn't cut. I didn't call in to talk uh, tuna. Okay. <laughs> Even though it's, <laughs> that's, been a, that's been a big. Uh, subject conversation. Um, 
Actually, uh, I, I was just goaded in by the by the lounge to call in. So I was like, oh, I'll no, no, no. I'm glad you did. Hey. I'm glad you did, man. No, I love yeah, yeah, I love so. everybody in there. I actually jumped in a little bit earlier around noon or a little bit afternoon um, and tried to talk to everybody. But uh, you guys do a great job in there, Jason. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, we, we have a good time, man. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a distant relative of uh, Jake Query, which, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll just say that now. That's all good. I guess I, I should have kept that a secret. <laughs> Nobody in the lounge really need to know that. Now I get to get ripped on for that for days. You but, uh, yeah, I've, I've always just uh, loved to listen to you guys forever and, uh, you know, been out here wanting to call in and talk about all kinds of different things. And now that I call you, I don't have a whole lot, whole lot to That's talk okay, about. That's okay, man. Well, we'll uh, give you – you got plenty. Me. You got – What's your What's your idea on uh, on Lamar Jackson, who might actually go after him right now? Well, i tell you what, Jason. Thank you for the call. Thank you for doing what you do inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll get back into that coming up tomorrow because i got to go right now. James, thank you very much. Thank you all. Inside the lounge, listeners, appreciate you more than you know. Harris Hoosier Park, racing and casino in Anderson tomorrow at 3. Remember, we are all Florida Atlantic Owls tonight. Talk to you tomorrow at 3. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.